You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Peshera. Hey, everybody. Uh, hey, back for the second time. We have Adam Gable. What's up, Adam? Hello. How are you? I uh, I'm I'm glad that you introduced me early last time when we were just audio. And it was like two and a half minutes before I said anything, and then <laughs> just as. Just as we started, I was like, oh, it's going to be really awkward if I have to sit here silently. <laughs> oh, really? We didn't, like, we just started, me and Alex was were just Peter talking without you? Yap- was it Peter? Or uh, it well, no, no, I mean, I think you had some things to say. It was fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not you know, I don't. I'm Do you happen to news. remember what we talked about? I honestly don't remember. Uh, I, I think it was just related to, like, the, the last couple podcasts. You're, you were having a good time. Your podcast was doing well. And oh, I, came I, in and I came. apologize for that because I don't remember not bringing you in. I think I think Adam is actually one of the few comics I've seen in the last couple months. Like we ran into each other right. at a barbecue yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. two weeks I, ago, and I don't want to say which one it is, but we we both talked about doing a podcast where the host talked for forty minutes, <laughs> and oh, then no. and then they they were like, "Hey, what do you think, Peter?" And I go, "I think you should bring the guest in sooner." Uh. <laughs> So, no, uh, this was not a, this was not as egregious as that. I mean, you know, you start a podcast, you go, "Hey, what's going on? We're doing this thing. We've been great." It was just an intro. That was yeah. that was fine. I just realized. We don't, I remember, yeah, we don't do segments where the guest arrives like <laughs> after the show has started. You're you're in from the beginning. Can I can I ask? Uh, uh, I know you don't want to say the podcast, but can I ask? Do I know these people or this person? I'm sure you do. They do, okay. they do a really good job. They do oh, okay. it, but they do like at, like they do it like old school radio where it is like segments. Hmm. So they yeah. like the guest is sitting there while they're doing the other stuff. So I yeah, thought I, I was like ready to go. I can't imagine what that would be like in a Zoom situation no. where the guy's there and you're just like, just yeah. Like, I mean, can, like I guess maybe you bring me in later. I don't know what's up, yeah. but yeah, yeah. No, it was it was nice to see you at that barbecue, Peter. I was glad because I wanted to come back and do this thing with you again. I saw you at the barbecue. You were you were in like a like a Panama like a wide bring Panama hat. You kind of looked like uh, you were like halfway between Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone and Marlon Brando as Doctor Moreau. It was pretty dope. Honestly, that's that's right where I'm. A that's my sweet compliment. spot. Yeah, <laughs> that's my sweet spot. Like a Don Juan DeMarco kind of thing, I suppose. Like crazy, like completely out there. Marlon Brando is up there for me. Yeah, it was pretty hot out there. So yeah, and that little guy that you were with. Oh, who's oh, the little geez. guy you were with? You got another friend, Peter? That's a uh, that's a Doctor Morojo. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Losing my mind. Uh, I don't know movies, but I do a movie podcast. It's interesting. Uh, Sometimes so, it works out that way. Yeah, so uh, we have a fun, uh, I, I would say a very fun movie this week. Uh, I think Adam picked a really good one. I This is another one of those that I should have seen that I hadn't seen before. Uh, even though it's right up my alley, uh, I'm a big music guy. I produce music. I've been in rock bands. Uh, a lot of this really hit like 10 out of 10 with me or 11 out of 11 maybe i should say <laughs> for real this this i this movie was um 
Very we funny. We didn't say what it was. Oh, we're, we're getting into it. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is Spinal Tap is what we're doing. Uh, Adam, just sit there quietly until we're ready for you. Yeah, we're, we're going to – this is the episode where the guest doesn't talk. Uh, no, no. Uh, it's a – me and my mom actually watched it uh, together yesterday because she also hadn't seen it. And we're big fans of Best in Show, which uh, was made by the same people, Christopher Guest. And who are the other people that made this movie? Uh, Adam, you probably know. Well, uh, be- uh, this is uh, uh, Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer. Right. Best in Show was was part of just the Christopher Guest. Those The other three, they had a part in Mighty Wind later on, but not part of Best in Show. But it comes Got from it. the same school. But it's like the same, yeah, it's the same group of people. And, and so right. we, since we, me and my mom both loved that movie, we were like, well, we, we realized we both hadn't seen This is Spinal Tap. And... It's crazy I haven't seen it because it's right up my alley. I mean, some of the jokes in here, we'll get into it, but some of them are very, like, they're, they're, they're ahead of their time, hilarious, yeah. very musically, like, technical, some of the jokes that go over people's heads, I feel like. Just very, very funny shit. Uh, Adam, why would you say, why, why did you pick this movie uh, to cover? Well, the last time I was on here, uh, I picked, uh, like, the most emo uh, 1980s movie, which was The Breakfast Club. Because, and I, like, I realized it's kind of like a dopey thing for like a weirdo comedian to pick because although The Breakfast Club really hit home with me, like as a teenager, doesn't really represent who I am to sort of what my, you know, the kind of work that I do now. So I wanted something that was sort of the opposite of that. Um, and one of the other ones that I wanted was already taken, even though I thought I called dibs, but I guess I didn't. <laughs> Jeez, we're having all kinds of fucking issues. What was it? What was it? What was the? No, I just, I'm just coming out swinging. I, 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 let me hear it. I, I, I well, I wanted to do uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Actually, that's why. Uh, but, uh, but oh. you know what? The truth is, is that this is a better. This movie is really important to me. I think because it speaks to me both comedically, and I. That sounds like such a douchebag thing to say, but it's a really funny movie. But it also I identify because I have a background in touring production and i've yes. i traveled with musicians i traveled as a tour manager and i did all the line i worked at places where these people came through so that all that really i connected with i've had a lot of these experiences i know that sounds ridiculous like some of the most ridiculous things that happen on there i i've, I, I've been I, a part of not to cut you off but i a hundred percent believe you because i was in a band even in high school i was in a band where we did go on like mini type tours and little things here and there where we would be in a van for a week at a time touring and the shit how accurate this movie gets is absurd because it's so stupid and and you realize how stupid you were or are for being in these fights and being in these scenarios but to a t there's like three Three or four scenes where I was one of the people in in this is Spinal Tap for sure. Um, Peter, what was your experience with this movie? Well, so I um I love it. I think it's amazing. And I and I I was talking to Alex earlier this week. Like I I like that there's still I've seen a ton of stuff, but I like that there's still stuff that's still new to me. So I just watched all the Christopher Guest stuff just this week in anticipation of this stuff. I think I saw Waiting for Guffman years ago, but I hadn't seen the other ones. And I love all this stuff. And Spinal Tap I probably saw for the first time like maybe three years ago mm. and immediately loved it. And it was just one of those that I had just missed. And I was actually working with guys that were quoting it all the time. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it, I got to finally see this movie. 
and it's so funny and it's 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 funny because they even like like i was i mean i was in the jazz band in high school like that's about the extent of my uh band uh experience but like doing some research on it they like this movie is spot on with what it is to be in a band but they also even like predicted stuff Mm-hmm. The whole like Stonehenge sequence, I think I think oh, uh, Black so Sabbath thought they ripped it off, but they actually came up with it first, and right. then Black Sabbath did a Stonehenge thing. It's like you if you just sort of imagine the kind of things that like a British rock band from that era would do, yes, and just and just and literally turn it to eleven. Like that's how you get Spinal Tap, but yeah. it's not that far off no. from any of these like guys that I actually like lo- like love, you know. No, I thought it's it's so well done. It's so funny, and um, it's funny. Like talking about like the, the movie part of it, uh, I hate to say this because he's a dirty liberal, but Rob Reiner doesn't get a, enough credit for how inventive he is. Why did you have to throw that in? There? I, I just I just think it's funny. I don't I could care less. But like Rob Reiner's <laughs> had one of the great like Hollywood careers ever. You know, meathead yeah. on All in the Family, and then becomes a director. I mean, he does Princess Bride. He does A Few Good Men. He does Stand By Me. He does this movie, which is basically his first, his directorial debut. And the thing that I think that's interesting about Rob Reiner is like I don't think anybody sits around and goes, "Yeah, man, I'm a huge Rob Reiner fan." But he's made a bunch of unbelievable movies, and he invented a lot of stuff. So like uh, to get real nerdy about it, like uh, Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. first thing he wrote was A Few Good Men. He wrote it as a play, and then it became a movie. And Rob Reiner directed the movie. Now Aaron Sorkin is famous for The Walk and Talk. Where right. if you where people are walking through hallways and doing other stuff while they're talking because it's very dialogue heavy, uh, so that people are not just sitting down and talking in a movie. Rob Reiner came up with that. Rob Reiner realized that the script was like super talky, and if you watch a few Good Men, like Tom Cruise and Demi Moore are always like walking through hallways having fights. Like that's a Rob Reiner invention that people give credit to Aaron Sorkin. Mm. Same thing with this. Like Christopher Guest went on to do all these like mockumentary films. But a lot of the the initial ideas comes out of Rob Reiner, and he's I mean Rob Reiner appears in the movie as the maker of the documentary, which I think is amazing. That's amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is it Martin Breggy? Is that his name in the Marty, movie? Marty. Marty DeBerge. Marty DeBerge. <laughs> like, the name is hilarious. Marty DeBerge. The the navy hat is amazing. Like what yeah, everything it's... about him is great, and uh, and Christopher Guest is my favorite part. He's so good of this movie. Yeah. The uh, the you can't dust for vomit is maybe one of the funniest. That is lines so fucking funny. When the, that whole sequence when they're explaining the drums, de- the drummer's deaths, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was it was someone else's vomit in his mouth actually. You're like, wow. They're like, you can't actually tell, but it's so funny, man. But you see, like, you could see where like they're talking over each other, and then right. like Christopher Guest like, pun- like like perfect comedian. He's like, all right, I gotta punch this. Somehow, yeah. and he punches it with the the dusting for vomit line, cut like perf like perfect comedy scene. Yeah, like so good. So much of it was just off the cuff. I mean, so much of it was just like a a lot of those scenes though came from this like background thing that they had written. Now I'm sure the line about the dusting of the vomit that was new, but the uh, the whole the guy choking on vomit, but. What is amazing about that is the way that they play together. Like the scene, uh, it's a fine line between clever and then he goes and stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's amazing that they work together that way. I mean, the two guys are really, uh, 
it, in a lot of ways, I you know, like, uh, McKe- like Michael McKean and Christopher Guest, I mean, they, this is what they, the way they're portrayed in the movie, but also how they are as sort of creators. They're a little bit of like a Lennon and McCartney kind of thing, right? Obviously, that's how they play in this movie, right? Is that they play as the two guys who grew up together and sort of absorbed more talented people around them. Yeah. But if you think about the way that, uh, so um, I, I found out, do you know that, um, so when Michael McKeon and David Lander had this thing called Lenny and the Squig Tones. Have you? Yeah, yeah right. I was treated today. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. So Alex, you know what this is? Or I've I, I've heard the name, but I, you please elaborate. So they were Lenny and Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley, and they did this band called uh, Lenny and the Squig Tones, where it was them doing a kind of a like of a like a sha na na kind of thing, and Christopher Guest played in the band as a guitar player named Nigel Tufnell. The so names it's are so great, it, and the names are so. It, 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 if you think about, I don't know. I mean, like musically, I think it's there's no coincidence that like uh, Harry Shearer only plays the bass with one hand most of the time. I think he's but, probably. I don't know this for a fact, but I would guess that he never played the bass before <laughs> this movie. Whereas those two other guys had gr- grown up playing all of these instruments forever, and they were just like, you know, you do this thing. Yeah. Um, one of the funniest jokes visually in the movie is him playing bass in one of the first scenes where they're playing uh, live. He has a double neck bass, which makes absolutely no sense. If you know anything about music, there's no need for any any instrument that is a double neck bass. Like it, 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 it's so funny and over the top, for, especially for the type of music that they're playing. Like, did you notice that they're all playing bass on that track? They're all, all. Oh, no, four, I missed all, that. All three of them are playing bass. They're all, they're, and and when they did it on SNL, they did Big Bottom on bass. That's why he's got the double bass, four basses. When they did it on SNL, and you can't find this on the internet, I remember this from when I saw it in reruns. He goes, Michael McKeon introduces them, and he goes, on the double bass. Derek Smalls, Derek Smalls, and then he goes, and on rhythm bass. <laughs> Nigel Tufnell, and I'm on lead bass, David St. Hobbins. And he introduced, it's ridiculous. That is such a funny joke for musicians. Like, it, Go back it, and watch, they're all playing bass I on Big Bottom. Oh, oh, God, that's so funny. That is that's so why when he funny. says, can you play, when he says to the piano player later in the movie, can you play the guitar play part like, he, like uh, Nigel played, on Big Bottom, it's just... <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah, I got two hands. Yeah, I could do that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. What, Alex, yeah. what, did your, what did your mom think? Oh, she loved it. She loves Christopher Guest. She thought he was amazing. Uh, and yeah, she. I mean, she, we were laughing the whole time. I mean, it, 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 she was... Um, so my mom's in her late 50s. So she loved it because she, you know, she was in her 20s and the 80s. And so all of this stuff, she was like, oh, my God, like the hair, it like it really it was accurate. Like like it wasn't like this like mascotty thing, like the way I look at that stuff, I go, I, I find it hard to believe that people actually did that kind of stuff, like like and actually earnestly like dressed like that. You know what I mean? And and it, but she was saying like the outfits that some of the women were wearing. She's like, I can't believe I wore something like that and stuff like that. Like, so she 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 loved it. She loved the aesthetic. She thought and she was also like me and her were both like blown away. We were like, 
we kept talking about how like this is the first mockumentary and like how big that style has become i mean it's 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 hard to believe that someone could come up with it you know like one group of people can can just like we're gonna make this fake documentary like nobody was doing anything like this like yeah well there was one or, or am I, maybe i'm wrong it's there's a thing called i think it was called the ruddles which was like a, yeah. making fun of the beatles it's and, uh, yeah i the mean Ruddle. a lot of a lot of comedy Never heard of a lot of comedy is is parody and, and it's funny like a lot of stuff like predicted you know stuff that was to come like obviously the whole mockumentary style like blew up with the office and all this other stuff. later though later like, yeah much and even later. like you know, like like albert brooks like his first movie is called real life which is sort of a, a take on reality shows like way before the whole reality show thing happened and it's right. funny you guys got me thinking like this movie made me like a little bit sad because you think about all the talent that's in this movie yeah like, and how much comedy depends on like all these geniuses mm-hmm. like meeting up with one another do you know what i mean like like rob reiner was married to penny marshall who's laverne from laverne and shirley michael mckeon starts in laverne and shirley you know gary marshall her brother created a lot of these shows right, right. christopher's guest starts at snl uh writing harry Scher becomes you know one of the main simpsons guys it's just it's like this unbelievable Home. like pool of talent yeah and i think sometimes too like with as, as much as i love being a stand-up like watching christopher guest just sit in a chair and make me laugh talking made me so jealous yeah. Do you know what i mean like i wish i could just sit there with a camera in my face and just riff and do what fucking christopher guest does and it's incredible. And then he like took this and then created his own company of actors and made these other films. And it's it's like it's it's got to be like so great to be like in a, like like you know being like in the first couple seasons of an S- SNL where they were all basically like living at Thirty Rock and like they were all together like all the time. It wasn't like a corporate thing. It was just a bunch of like young kids basically like just being crazy. But they were so talented, and they all found each other at the same, like the perfect time. And I think like there's like there's something of like a zeitgeist here with these guys. Like they're all, you know, you got Rob Reiner just starting his directing career. You have all these guys that are just like breaking all at the same time, and they're they're fucking geniuses. It's amazing. I I, I think it's the, oh, go ahead. One of the I mean, uh, it's important to note uh, and, and uh, that the thing that the, they didn't do with the Runnels, I think that's is that they we're not improvising. And that's really where, and again, it just goes to your point about what these guys did. And Christopher Guest was, you know, likely given, and, and Harry Shearer, given their sketch background, they were likely, you know, developing this kind of idea. I mean, I have nothing but an amazing amount of respect for Christopher Guest. He plays, you know, you see him in A Mighty Wind and he plays this killer banjo solo. Yeah. And he plays the mandolin and he plays the guitar and he plays the bass, all with the extra finger. It's amazing to me. <laughs> He's got an extra finger? Right. So. Oh, as a That's princess bride, too, princess nice. bride. Oh, oh my god! I didn't even think he's yeah. over her heads, dude. So, Adam is. You should be hosting this spot again. So a, a, a Rob Reiner film, and he also he's the uh, he's the doctor at, in A Few Good Men. Yeah. So like I, I, I like and married to Jamie Lee Curtis, one of my who you have a thing for. Oh, totally have a thing for. Her. I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't see. You don't get why she's hot. I don't think she's no. 
I don't I don't think she's hot. He probably thinks of her as like an older woman. She's the like, activity you... activity a yogurt poop lady. That's oh, all he... I think of. Oh, that's why. All I think of is that's her pooping why. out yogurt, like just to eating yogurt to poop. That's to all me, I she's, think about. She's the hooker from Trading Places. Like, they they my... better have paid her oh, fucking she... like $500 million for that commercial. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if she made more money from that than pretty much anything else she ever did in her and life. And she is hot in Trading Places. But I, I don't think of that version of her. I really, because I, you know. By then, she's already, like, considered a middle-aged woman. Oh, really? In trading places? I mean, that, oh, no. Oh, I think, uh, no, no. I, for, for a second, I was thinking of You were thinking. No, yeah, Trading Places, like the, the, the movie you were saying. The, the yeah, yeah, no, 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 of course. Like, yeah, we okay. had just watched that. So, yeah, I, I definitely, she, I get what you're saying. But to me, like, for years, my impression of her was the Activia poop lady. For for year, like, you know for 20 years and then i went back and saw movies where she was hot so like it's hard for me to erase that you know impression honestly i'm, I'm how much worried. money do these people need that they're willing to that's what i'm saying they must have paid like there's people there's guys who have done like like uh i can't get hard commercials they must have made a ton of money right? i mean it's possible that jamie lee kernis just has some really bad incontinence problems so she was like <laughs> maybe she loves maybe she loves maybe you'll product. give me some of this stuff right like or if, you're spending 80, if you're Jamie Lee Curtis, you're spending 80 grand a year on poop yogurt. Yeah. I think you're yeah. going to go, let me just do some commercials and maybe cut into that stack. The back of my yeah. Life. Or maybe right. she call, she's like, listen, guys, I love your product. If there's any way we can work together, right. I'd really like to use my celebrity. In which uh, case, full circle, she is the yogurt poop lady that I, you know, so mentioned before. So. <laughs> I mean, I am not wrong. Is is well, listen. When when Christopher Guest got her, she was hot. Jamie Lee Curtis. So he's a fucking the- hot guy, dude. In this, especially, <laughs> how dreamy well. is he? In this, his in hair this, is at least. amazing. He, is that his real hair? Is that no? They were, no, they're wearing wigs. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, they're yeah. Def- I'm pretty. I mean, do you not? Do you not think so? I don't know for sure. I I'm going to Google it right now because we're on Peter, the podcast. Peter looks a little. I mean, it looks. It looks a little not sure. If any, if any of them is not wearing a wig, I would think it was Christopher Guest. Like I, I'm, I'm. It's. I'm a hundred percent that the other two are wearing wigs. Right. Christopher right. Guest, I could be convinced that that's his actual hair. Did you uh, see- Christopher Guest, they were real wigs, and they were real cheap-ass wigs. Oh. I drew my facial hair out for the movie, but I, and I got hair extensions for the tour. So apparently it was some of his hair, but the, there, were, there were like wig extensions. That's, they, um, the funny thing, too, is they're, they're basically they're mocking like, like 70s bands at this point, but, yeah. then they, but then they sort of predict the 80s hair bands. Well, they they also the movie came out in the '80s, so they I think I think it was taken from multiple sources, uh, for sure, for sure '70s uh, for the most part. But the, there was there was some Kiss take. Well, the you, Kiss is '70s too, yeah. If you think about the Def Leppards, though, that's really what they're doing because Def Leppard is like they're big in the '70s, yep. but then the hair band explosion comes out, and they're and they sort become, of old guys, but and. The, yeah, they're a little older than like the the the, the Guns N' Roses or right. whatever kind of guys. They, but that's exactly the whole point. Is like, it, and you know, you even you go back and and I watched all the extras, so like I started to piece together the history. So like the gag is that these guys were the characters were making music in 1962, right? Yeah, so by 1984, so they talk about them like they're only you know they're almost. 40 in their late 30s but if you, but i think if you do the math 
the characters probably make more sense to be 44, 45, right? Correct. Because if it's 1962, I and mean, I guess they, they, I guess they could be 18, but even still, that only puts them at like 38. Yeah. Makes more sense that they're 22, because that's pretty young to be on TV. For 22. sure. Yeah. Right. So then you do the math and they come out to be like 40, which of course is probably what the guys were anyway. So yeah, they're well, definitely. I mean, Sorry, the beat the Beatles were pro were they like 21 23 when they first the Beatles like, that's the Sullivan? same trajectory yeah, yeah. they were yeah. in the 20s in the late 60s basically I yeah, didn't know yeah, yeah. I didn't know Def Leppard had been around in the 70s oh, yeah. yeah they they were I mean they were it's not like they were the same kind of big success that's the spinal tap band had because in the in the movie spinal tap breaks in the late 60s with the uh the power people thing but there were bands that were originally starting more like a hardcore hardcore thing so i guess in that case def leppard is not the but uh, i'm also not the authority on that yeah no 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 you're you're right on here um i i i'm blown away by you know how how funny this movie is and how and, and and i love music so like as someone who like appreciates especially like the history of rock and roll like like i i love uh almost famous a lot of people like don't like that movie a lot of people like that movie but it, it's one of my favorite movies um because of like how well they tell the story of like uh 70s 80s type rock and roll and the touring and and just that life man that lifestyle was pretty wild and it's just um, I don't see how you're not interested in even even as a as a joke and a complete goof. It's just fun to watch the people interact the way they do and and um, a couple of things they just nail so so on the head like with the with the girl the girlfriend of the lead singer that is such a trope. It it, it happens in local bands. It happens in big famous bands. There's always some girl who comes in and ruins the fucking whole thing and they do it exactly like they did like like. She she played a great. I don't know who is that in in the movie. Who's the actress? Do we know? Uh, Janine is the name. Janine. Uh, oh, I have it written out somewhere. Oh, I should have been. Oh, oh no, Adam, come on, please. To have notes at all is amazing. But yeah, it's fine. I just wanted to give her credit. She's great, yeah. man. She because because she's such a you know like conniving and 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 driving a wedge between the two guys. Like it, it's crazy and. Uh, there's a great moment in the movie where, um, uh, uh, what's the uh, what's Rob Reiner's character? Uh, Marty DeBerge. DeBerge asks he's interviewing them, right? And he asks, right. and and he's blown away that Christopher Guest is like, uh, or or um, uh, fuck, I'm, I'm, who's the blonde guy? Fuck, uh, Michael McKean. Michael McKean is basically throwing Christopher Guest under the bus, saying like, ah, oh, it won't matter that much. We'll get we'll get used to it. There's been We've had ten drummers. It's not a big deal. And and uh, he's Rob Reiner's like, I can't believe you're doing this. You're right, you're gonna right, treat right. you. You guys have been playing music for twenty plus years. You grew up together. You're gonna treat him like just a, somebody you just met. And and, right. and it's true. That's like what these girls do to 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 lifelong brothers, man. It's just it's a, I, not to be anti whatever girl or it's it's not about her being a girl. It's it, it's about the relationship going right. in and ruining the, the 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 more important relationship which is their which is their band so. no dude own it man girls ruin everything yeah boy, <laughs> uh, ruin, yeah boys ruin, dudes rock and girls suck that's, they that's ruin comedy easy. careers they ruin they ru <laughs> if you're a movie producer you're just minding your business being a fat gross movie producer girls try to ruin that from you what are you trying to say here i'm not nothing <laughs> 
Dios. Uh, I, I read that the whole thing with the girl, with his girlfriend was added later. Really? Originally, yeah. Originally, there was a, a subplot about the opening band that was all women that gave them all herpes, which is why there's the couple things. In the extras, there's a scene, everybody has herpes. There's a shot of everybody has herpes. They've all got it. There's a part where the keyboard player and the drummer are talking about how to get rid of it. They've all got, and apparently there was this, uh, there was this subplot that I guess got um, abandoned and then they brought her in and that, that's why it all, I mean, I think you're right. It's like, it's perfectly executed it and is. it is a trope, but it's a trope because it's believable. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like you, it, if it didn't happen, you'd almost be like, oh, doesn't, I don't understand how that doesn't happen. It's the, and it's the main conflict in the movie. I mean, you have to have it. Um, right. And, and it's, 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 it, you know, it's not just one story they pull from like, sure. The Yoko Ono, John Lennon, right, right, you right. Know, Paul McCartney divide, like that's the main one, but it's, it, it, there's countless examples of it happening. And, um, it's just great. It's great how much they could pull from these bands in real life that were actually stuffing their pants to make them look like they had huge dicks. Like they, the guy pulls out, uh, he pulls out like a cucumber in the Wrapped air. In foil. It's Wrapped in aluminum foil. Or an eggplant, like a literal eggplant he pulls out. It's just like hilarious. It, it, again, and uh, I mean, there's over an hour of outtakes. I would say go back, watch the outtakes because it I got to find this. And a lot of times it's better because like, so the, they do the whole, they do a whole setup for the cucumber thing. So it's, I mean, ultimately I understand why they cut it because the joke works out of nowhere, but there's even, it's a deeper joke, but it's, 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 it's really worth watching. I mean, what, what amazes me and they, they did so much work. There's a scene where Paul Schaefer playing the, um, the rap, right? So he's yeah. trying to get them to go to a radio station. And he goes, what do I got to do to get you guys to get up at 6.30 in the morning and come to this radio station? What do I got to do? I got to... And he reaches over to like a like a room service plate. And he goes, do I got to smash an egg on my head? And he smashes an egg on his <laughs> face. He goes, what? I gotta, he smashes an egg on his face. He goes, what do I got to do? Do I got to get you guys? And of course they go. And then can you imagine you're Paul Schaefer and you smash an egg on your face for a movie and then they don't use it. Come uh, on, yeah. guys, uh, use it. That's I had egg in my hair for nothing. Yeah. Speaking of Paul Schaefer, just it's so it's so and and I was gonna say there's tons of talent in this movie besides just the main guys. Like it's a, a unbelievable. Like Billy Crystal as a mime with one of the fun, one of the funniest lines in the movie. Mime is mime is money. I fucking love that line for some reason. But there's just like, you know, Fran Drescher at the party. Like, yeah. Bruno Kirby is the is the limo driver. It's just like, again, it's like, I'm sure they just like, they just like rounded up their friends and were like, you know, come on, on let's do, let's make a, let's have a party. But um, I, I do think like, I, I do think the movie flags a little bit in the, in the middle. I think they start with the best bits. Right. I do think that, oh, that opening scene of them getting interviewed by Reiner is is the best part of the movie. But what saves them, not that the movie needed saving, but what really like keeps me involved is that it, it has a lot of heart. It really is about yeah. two two friends. And it's funny because the Beatles, you know, they, they lasted about seven years and you know, people outgrow each other and you don't you know 
bands famously like they start hating each other spinal tap like they grew apart after 22 years you're supposed to believe that all of a sudden they they can't stand each other anymore but at the heart of the movie is is the relationship between uh you know mckean's character and christopher guest character and it's and uh harry sure just sort of being kind of the dopey guy in the middle and like his his line too when he's like i'm in the middle of fire nice which makes me Warm water. Luke, it's where, where he's like, I think of myself as lukewarm water. <laughs> it's amazing, but like that's, that's very funny. He's just like the dopey guy in the middle who's just like, come on, guys, let's let's make this work. But it's really like that's why like the ending is like is really earned where they where they play together one last time because With I mean again mama. it's like every 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 girls can't understand this but guys know that like when you fall you know when you lose your you, your friend you like grow apart from your friend if you ever get a chance to like oh, get back together with best. that best friend is amazing it's the best this is one of the, some of the best moments in life so adam just so i know uh uh, is it? Are you referring to the This Is Spinal Tap, the Criterion with Extras edition? Um, that, uh, I have the, D, the DVD that came out in 2003. It's from what I understand because I was looking it up to see what else might be online. Yeah, there's the 70 minutes of extras is pretty much available starting in 2000 and later. I think is what it is. Yeah, it says over an hour of deleted scenes, and then yeah, it says. It. Uh, uh, they have commentary tracks and then also uh, a 20-minute demo reel. Uh, and that's actually after the one that I have, so I think that's it. Did you okay. did you did you catch the best cameo? Did you catch my favorite cameo? The um, do you know who that is? The sculptor for Stonehenge. Did you catch it? No, no. It's Angelica Houston. Oh my god! We I'm watching it. And I'm going. I recognize that face. I don't know who it is. I recognize the face. I don't know who it is. And then at the end, I watch it, and it says Angelica Houston. And I was like, no shit. I couldn't believe it. And then as if they didn't expect you to believe it, the very last title card on the version that I watched is like a still of that scene so that you can see it's Angelica Houston. I was like, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, um, oh, wow. I didn't notice, but you're right. Wow, she really, I'm sorry. She fell off, though. Holy shit. Uh, she got old. Yeah, All I right. guess. Yeah, she's just old. That's true. I don't mean to. But I'm just looking at how how she looks young. It's like, wow. Yeah, she was like Gorgeous. one of Holy the hottest shit. women in Hollywood. Well, how old is she? These are all like black and white photos. Maybe, yeah, this she's is like really. She's probably in her 60s now. Maybe a little older than that, man. Let me see. She was probably in her seventies, I would think. I mean, yeah. she was. Um, yeah, she is. Um, she was Jack Nicholson's girlfriend in the seventies and early eighties. Sixty-nine years old. She was born in fifty-one. Yeah. 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 So by this, she's like thirty-two, thirty-three. Yeah, another, yeah. another thing I noticed, I was thinking about this movie came out in eighty-four, and we've talked a lot about how eighty-five is a big year, but like eighty-four. I feel like 85 is like the year where like the 80s movies became established and big and mainstream. Right. But 84 was when they were really like breaking ground and oh. kind of setting the tone for, I mean, it's when Terminator came out, Gremlins, Ghostbusters, all these movies were huge risks at the time. Well, I mean, they were not necessarily like financial risks, but they were doing something. It's easy to look back now and be like, oh, well, obviously Terminator is a huge hit. But at the time, it was very experimental, small budget. Ghostbusters, like no one, you know, could have predicted that that would be like a monster hit. Gremlins, a lot of there's a lot of like weird, interesting choices that of movies that came out in '84 that really worked, 
And I really like like eighty four definitely is in the running for like the best year of eighties eighties movies. Splash. Like a lot of just like like risky premises and like movies that may like on paper like may not necessarily sound like they would work, but they're they fucking hit it out of the park over and over and over again. Like it must have been amazing to be going to the movies in nineteen eighty four. I think that uh, one of the key things about the 80s movie that you're talking about is establishes this idea that you walk into a movie, you go, all right, well, we know that none of this is ever going to happen. Let's just put that to the side right now. We're going to allow, we're going to establish that the most nonsensical stuff is believable, which in the case of this movie really helps because this movie is actually even to that extent, it's pretty believable. You know what I mean? But you believe the excess of it because it's an excess time. Versus you look at A Mighty Wind, right? 2003, what's going on in movies? Movies are becoming much similar, right? 2005 is Batman Begins, which is the most believable Mm -hmm. superhero story ever, which is why I think when you watch A Mighty Wind, some of the things that the characters do don't actually hold up in the same kind of way that they do in this period because these people are relatively sane in an air in a in a in a in like a, a collective that's time. insane, yes. right? Yes. And then you got the like the 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 like the folk people in a mighty wind who are you're like, well, why? Uh, there's some sh- shit that happens in that movie that I just don't buy because the tone of movies at the time was more realistic. So yes, I think you're totally right. Yeah. I think what you're saying that's about about point. the the period of time really helps. There was a lot of, yeah, I think the way you put it, it's like there was a lot of, as long as the audience buys this premise, like they're, they're going to be in good hands. Like if you, if you don't question the fact that there is a little creature called a Mogwai and you can just buy him at a shop, (laughs) we promise that the rest of the movie will be good. You know what I mean? Or like if you, you just, if you just buy in that in the future, robots take over and there's time travel and there's a woman who's, Who's you know gonna give birth to the hero of the like? As long as like it's it just like they just dial into like every movie has this splash. I mean, Splash came out that year. Like, all right, it's a given. There's mermaids. Let's just let's just roll with it. But also like not necessarily just like you know, Karate Kid came out that year. Sixteen Candles came out that year. Police right. Academy. Like it was just a lot of stuff where Nightmare on Elm Street. It was like a lot of things where it was like, all right, we're gonna cover every base. We're gonna cover every possible genre, and mm-hmm. we're just gonna nail it like all these movies just fucking nail it it's astounding how many films came out in that four-year pocket of the mid 80s like it's crazy doing this podcast has shown me like all of these movies are influential and you know here and there we'll do some ones that aren't or a little bit more obscure but for the most part the movies we cover on this podcast are monumentally uh in you know uh, like huge films you know that have have influenced millions of people and it and, and really 90% 90% of them are from like this four year pocket. It's crazy. I just can't think of, uh, like, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're in it, but it just doesn't seem like movies from 2017 to 2020. There's that many movies that were that monumental. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they will age differently. Well, it was also like at this time, it's like it was one, it, it's maybe like one big idea, but they just stuck to that one big idea and they executed it. And they, and the movie itself is, is like a manageable whole. Like now it's like, they have to throw everything into the you know like the last the last Mission Impossible movie I loved, but it's just too much of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the greatest motorcycle chase and the greatest helicopter chase and the greatest you know uh, jumping out of a plane seat. It's just like and an amazing bath. It's like 
I, it, I felt like overloaded by stuff where if you go back and you watch like Splash or Gremlins or Police Academy, it's like, you know, Police Academy, it's basically one joke. It's a bunch of like screw ups. Yeah. Training to become cops. Like that's the right. joke. But it's it's just execution. And the same thing with Spinal right. Tap. It's like, all right, this is it's one know, joke. Bands are bands are ridiculous. Yeah. They're they're dumb. They're famous and rich, even though they're morons. Yeah. That's literally the joke of the movie. But when it's when you like hyper focus mm-hmm. on that, yeah. you know like Go- Ghostbusters is a ridiculous idea. It really but is. But the movie the movie is it, the movie takes the premise seriously. Yes. I think that's what's happening here. Like they don't need to like throw a lot of shit at it. It's just we have we have a bunch of really talented guys. And we have a premise, and even though it's ridiculous, and I, I think this comes out of like the sketch and improv background. Like the whole, if you watch like really good improv, which I have seen amazing improv in my time, it's literally <laughs> taking one. I don't, I don't mean that to be funny. I've seen. Dude, there's guys immediately started laughing. <laughs> I was, I did improv first. I actually ran a away boo. from. I ran away from stand up. My the guy who ran Ali Farnakin, who's who is an incredible comedian, incredible. Uh, uh, improviser who owns the pit. I back when I was taking classes there, he was still teaching like the highest level class. And at the very end of it, when he like gives you feedback, you're kind of like everybody takes improv classes. It, it, it's like it's like wanting to fit in and wanting to have you know validation. So you you go to the very end and you're hoping to like audition for an improv team, like a house improv team. And he sits down with me and goes, he goes, you know, you seem really comfortable talking right to the audience. Why don't you do stand up? And I took it like I was like, "Are you? You mean I'm not good enough to do improv?" <laughs> but like, it, it, I'm sorry. It comes out of that background of like playing off each other and like these guys, like you know, like Aykroyd and and Bill Murray or these guys in in this movie, they spent years like cultivating this ability to just take a crazy premise and just make it just make it work, like beat the shit out of it. You know what I mean? Like, just like do every angle you could possibly think of. You know, they didn't leave any stone unturned in this movie as far as, like, what's a rock band? What You know, what's ridiculous about being famous and rich and being in a rock band? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the 80s is about this broad stroke thing, right? Where it's like, you're going to, like you just said, you know, like, you're going to take this one thing and pull it. it. It's loud colors and like a giant, like a giant pink wall. That's the 1980s. And that's what comedy was it was like a giant this movie is a giant pink wall where each little square is a new joke yes what i mean yes i don't know that that makes sense but no that does totally make sense yeah uh and and i mean it's it's i think it's interesting uh it makes sense that there that the 80s sort of has lasted as a genre because of that Mm-hmm. Because their movies themselves are so unique in the way that they function, the same way that you know film noir, but it spans the late '30s to early '40s, and like all the other sort of other genres, the only one that really sort of lands in right in the middle of a decade is the '80s movie, and because of that, it never really got another. I, I mean, it doesn't have another name to it. It's like a right. comedy, drama, parody. Like, it's perfectly reasonable in one movie to have a really emotional, heartfelt scene. And then a scene where, like, a guy is, like, flipping over, like, a, on a banana peel. And then he lands and he knocks his head and he wakes up. And suddenly the world is taken over by robots. And it's like, this is all in one movie. And... I mean, yeah. whatever that is. Well, they all had a lot of. I mean, Beverly Hills Cop is '84 too, and I think. I mean, arguably, right. I think that might be the the best of the '80s 
movies, especially like comedy, drop whatever. Right. It, like it has a lot of heart. Like the movie works because of like it establishes the heart at the beginning, and yeah, then and right. then it lets Eddie Murphy go. Like right. you know what right. I mean? Like it doesn't need it doesn't need much. Um, and you know, and even like the like you know that's the all the teen movies. There's a million teen movies in the '80s, but they're all like grounded in reality. They're all real people that you start to care about. They have so a ton that, of heart. Ton of so heart. the joke. Right. So the jokes are like I just I, I hate I can't watch comedies now. Like I don't want like ridiculous because I few, I'll watch, few and far between. There are well, some good ones. There are some. I'll, wa- I'll watch, but like I want to like for me, it's like I want to spend time with the characters. Yeah. So if I like the characters, I'll spend ninety minutes to two hours with them. And if if they're just like silly, just for being silly, or they're you know, or or I'm constantly going, this would never happen in real life. Like this doesn't resemble life at all. I just get turned off. So like even like all the comedies from this time period, it's like I, I get I get these guys. Even though I don't I don't have any experience of like being in a rock band, like I don't know these guys, but I, I go, Oh, it, this makes sense. This relationship makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I I know what it is to be like jealous of my friend or to like, you know, be close to somebody and then now you're not close anymore or to get what you thought you wanted and it turns out it doesn't make you feel that good you know like all that stuff is like grounded in real universal emotions yeah yeah there's you know every now and then there's a comedy that's made that's good that's you know a newer more modern thing but it's not typically a wide release it's not typically something that's going to be a massive blockbuster which this wasn't by the way i mean this had a two million dollar budget made 4.7 million at the box office i think it it took off later with the vhs release and you know got its cult following and everything but a lot of the comedy that comes out today that that is truly you know i think will hold up and like is good or they're released on like the the streaming platforms. You're not talking about like these big budget Hollywood type things. I mean, those comedies kind of have really fallen off in the last like yeah. six, seven years, to be honest with you. I mean, I think some of that comes from the sort of saturation of like the character market that came out of a lot came out of SNL in the last 20 yeah. years. Not to say that the writing isn't good. But, you know, there was, like, this thing, I'm sure you remember it, where, like, for a little while, SNL movies were fantastic, and you got your Wayne's World. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the Blues Brothers, but that sort of predates it. But, you yeah. you know, you have your Wayne's World, and um, Coneheads, you know, you have some successful movies that work. And, you know, when they tried it, and some of them worked better than others. And then this idea came out of that where you could just take two funny people and give them a script that doesn't go anywhere, right? Yeah. And 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 it works better, it actually works better in this kind of thing. I would love to see John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, Step Brothers, improv. You know what yes. I mean? Like, let's yes. see that movie because, right. but I don't know, maybe they can't do it. I mean, these guys are, these, I, you know, I watched these, 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 this movie and this movie and a mighty wind and all the work that all of these people have done. And I just think there's no way that I could ever be as talented as these people. I mean, they're they, the, the way that they uh, approach their art is just so wide viewing. And I don't think anybody's really doing that. Nobody I, can do the character and the writing anymore. We have to mm. start an improv team. That's really what is the only solution here. I think what three I white th- guys, <laughs> Just, I think, I mean, everyone's worried about the future of stand-up comedy. Maybe the future of stand-up comedy is that we all start improv teams. 
and no, just start. I, some tell me that that's not right. In a, in a park, just doing I, it in the park. I think it's. It, I, I think you're better. Say he's just sinking. Adam's disappearing <laughs> from the camera. <laughs> What's wrong with it, bro? Uh, well, I mean, the the people. Oh, those that people do are it. very talented. I used to watch. <laughs> no, I, I used to watch people that are now like on TV, like doing big stuff. I used to watch them do improv back when I was young and improv. I haven't said anything about improv. I haven't said anything bad about improv. I'm not good at improvisation because every time I say something, I immediately go, oh, I should have said it. Like, I can't tell you how many times a week. can't tell you how many times a week. I You've done like, it like six I, times on this you're podcast. You're like, what if I said Navy instead of Royal Blue? Like, you know, the scene. I literally deleted the tweet today because I changed the word could to would. I was like, oh, it's way better with could. Uh, okay. I, I do, so I couldn't do that. I couldn't do the improv thing. That's couldn't very do the funny, improv Adam. You know, I, I, speaking of, I did see, I don't often do this on the podcast, but I did see a good new movie, like really new, uh, wondering if you guys have seen it and if you have your opinions and if not, I recommend it. Uh, it's um, the Hulu movie, uh, Palm Springs with, um, uh, what's his name? From SNL. Uh, Adam Samberg. A- a- yeah, Andy, Andy Samberg. Sam- Andy Sam- it, have you seen it? Either of you? I have uh, not yeah. seen it. It'll surprise you. I I went into it. uh, You know, a girl wanted to watch it. I actually, this is how I watched it with a girl on like a Friday night. It was so good that I, I, I had to watch it again Saturday night and then show my mom Sunday night and watch it three. I watched it three times in a row. It's really good. And it's not just funny. It's like a heart. It's got heart. It's a good story. It's interesting. And the acting's great, and Andy Samberg's like really likable, and it, it's got a good script. I mean, it's an interesting, unique type story. It's it's good. It's highly recommended to anyone listening. I've heard good things about it. Uh, I understand that the plot is unique, so I will ask that you not say anything more about it. Other not gonna, than I'm not gonna give it away. Not gonna give. I was, it away. I was gonna say like the, the 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 movies that make me laugh now are movies that are not marketed as comedies it's not even yeah, yeah it really isn't like i mean like i think i was thinking about today like once upon a time in hollywood that movie made yep. me laugh a lot like tarantino like yeah. tarantino goodfellas makes me laugh are hilarious goodfellas makes me laugh more than most comedy specials yeah and it's even and so the, funny the, the coen brothers if you go back because especially like coen brothers movies reward rewatching. if you yeah, go yeah. back and rewatch, you laugh even more because you I see agree. like all this like people are just stone-faced delivering these lines and some of them are so ridiculous that you don't even yeah. catch it the first time around. But yeah, like those and movies are not, they're not like, no one's, they're, they're not comedian, like sketch comics trying to make a comedy. They're making movies that just happen to be hilarious. Yes. It's like the airplane thing about how airplane, oh. everyone knows airplane, airplane work because they cast a bunch of real people. I mean, not real people, but they cast a bunch of people. Um, Dramatic playing like actors. People. Yeah. yeah. Dramatic actors. Thank you. Well, I was just seeing something recently where they like, I don't think Robert Stack knew what was going on. And right, someone, he didn't get someone, it. Someone was like, just do it like you do it. And it oh, that's funny. what it was. The, the story was that Lloyd, Lloyd Bridges said to him, Robert, they just want us to be us. Yeah. And, and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I heard that story too on, uh, I remember on some other, non, not another podcast, not the one where they don't let people talk. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I uh, gotta know what this podcast. Uh, I'll tell you off. Okay. I'll tell you off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I mean, it's just this movie. I think really just sort of represents it like a, 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 
I think you're right. I think it represents the like the 1980s version of what comedy is. Yes. Because nobody had done anything like that really in this way before, and they really went big or went home, and it just exploded in the same way that Gremlins and Police Academy and Sixteen Candles and all of these other movies launched a new kind of thing. You're totally right about that. It makes sense yeah. that it's 1984, yeah. Yeah, and there, and all the jokes are thrown away, which is my favorite way to do right. comedy. Yes. No, yeah. like, there's no like arrow going. This there's a joke. It's it's like literally people are walking away. Like when he says the joke about like, oh, it's only Boston. Don't worry, it's not a, it's not a big college town. Yeah, the guy is like literally leaving the room. His back is to the camera. Does like it. no emphasis. Like I love that kind of comedy. Yeah, where if you're not paying so attention, you could totally miss it. Yeah, so, which yeah. is which, I, and and that's what I like. I think the like the people who really love movies love picking yes. up on the stuff that regular people don't pick up on, and that's what you pick up on, you know, when you're paying attention is when people are throwing jokes away. I don't I don't I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Bottle Rocket, which is Wes Anderson's first movie, and I no, I love no. early Wes An like Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums are two of my favorite movies of all Royal time. Royal Tenenbaums is great. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like Wes Anderson like a little less every movie, but I still like watch all his stuff. But like Rushmore and Tenenbaums is huge for me. But if all you right. watch if you watch Bottle Rocket, like it's brothers and their friend, and they and like they kind of don't like their friend, and they go to their friend's house, and they're like, "How did a guy like Bob get a kitchen like this?" And like it's such a <laughs> like. I, and it's said like off camera. I think Owen Wilson says it off camera, and it's like such a like, it's it's a joke rooted in like you have a friend, but really you don't like your friend. I love, <laughs> you know what I mean? I love like, that concept. Yeah, that's that's so true. Which is like a real high school way to be. Like, yeah, we hang out with this guy because we see him every right. day. Yeah, but he's kind of a dick, and then and Nobody, then it turns out he. He's richer than you, which makes him worse yeah. as a person. Yeah. Like, I love jokes like that. It's fucking yeah. amazing. I think you're right. I mean, it's why, because um, there's nobody falling down. You're rarely laughing. I always, I have to say that one of the jokes that bugs me in this, in Spinal Tap, is the thing where he falls over and they have to lift him up. Because to me, yeah. that's like a visual psych gag. It doesn't, yeah. it's not that I don't believe it. It's just not the rest of the movie. The you know what I mean? You're right. You're the right. The rest of the movie is all, like, it's thrown away jokes. It's things that are happening in a sort of subtle way or they're doing it in the people don't know that it's funny. The people who are there don't understand the humor of the situation. And if they know that it's wrong, they're angry about it. Like I Stonehenge or the yes. pods. I don't know if any laughter happens by the characters. It's so right. like there's yeah. maybe one laugh by the, these characters right. and it's like a sarcastic laugh. Like that I agree with 100%. When they when when he fell to the floor and picked and he had to get picked back up, that was I almost cringed at that part. I was like, "Oh, right. don't be this kind of movie. This isn't what This isn't what right. it is." It was yeah, odd right. that they left that in. And the most famous gag of, you know, the the 11 yeah. uh, on the speaker what makes that amazing is is Rob Reiner going, well, why don't you just have 10 be louder? Right. And then Christopher Guest pauses and he goes, this one goes to 11. Like he just doesn't right. get, he doesn't right. even understand the question. Yes. But it's like right. he's. But without he, that question, the, the character Christopher Guest is playing wouldn't have said anything funny. Because yeah, it's his right. genuine stupidity that's funny. But it's not what, like it's not hammering. No. Like he just happens to be dumb. 
Yes. You're not like again, but it's not you're not announcing that the guy is like it's literally him repeating the question right. tells the audience is dumb, which is but it's like kind of profound at the same time. It's perfect. It's amazing. as opposed to as opposed to a situation where he's tripping all over the guitars or like yeah. he doesn't he he you know, something very obvious and blatant is happening. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a really great point, Adam. There, there was that scene really stood out to me as not really in the tone and, and almost just like, like if there were like five jokes like that in the movie, I almost wouldn't like the movie. Like that would be too obvious. That would be way too, what do you call it, when hit over the head with, with the comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think that that's a problem with... Looney Tunes, we, that, that We joke. talked about this when we did... Uh, like National Lampoon's Vacation because I feel like a lot of these movies oh, a lot of it is like that yeah well, a lot of these movies had a problem the problem with comedy in this time period is it all comes out of sketch yeah. so they don't know how to make a 90 minute long comedy so it's just a lot of sketches strung together and right. Vacation I thought did it amazing because literally you're going from town to town so each right. scene is a new sketch but like when when you are like that's why why I say like this movie like does sag a little bit in the middle is because when you are stringing sketches together you're gonna have a couple of moments that are not as good as as the other moments. I also think that eighty minutes is the perfect length for a comedy. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. These yeah. all of yeah, all I mean, these mockumentaries are around that long and it's perfect. For a movie like this where the story is not, I mean, there's plenty of funny movies that have a deeper story where you want to, you need a little bit more, I think. But I think in a movie like this that almost barely has a plot, only has a plot so that 80 minutes doesn't feel like it's too long. I yeah. think I think you're totally right about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I mean, uh, you watch, I watch the outtakes and I think some of this stuff makes it a fuller movie that I would love to see like a director's cut, because there are things, like I would love to go back, I don't know that I should do this, obviously, but I'd love to go and take that guitar scene out and then put this whole other thing back in. Yeah. There's a couple other subplots that they have scenes of, and there's like a couple things that I saw that I was like, all right, I understand that. That asks a question that is never answered, so I could see why that's not in there. Um, but there's, 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 there's really a lot of... Um, there's a lot more to it, I think, so that it could almost play longer, but you're totally right that it doesn't really need to. Yeah. Yeah, no, like that herpes thing. Like they don't, you know, they show that the guys have herpes on their face for like one scene and then you kind of forget about right. it. It's never really brought right, up right, again. Right. So that would yeah. be cool if they threw that in there and took yeah. out that stupid guitar scene. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it is what it is. They made a great film. So I'm right. sure that the things that fell sure. on the cutting room floor had to for whatever one reason or another. Yeah. But, um, I, I think we've definitely emphasized that to the audience that everybody should go out and see this. Movie. Oh, yeah. If you I, haven't, again, see it I again. I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. If you're a listener of this podcast, I mean, I'd be surprised if you haven't seen this. But God, if you haven't seen this, do yourself a favor and, and watch this movie. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, for anything, it's, it's, it's just a piece of history it's it's the first you know of its kind uh it it launched a whole genre just yeah you have to see this movie it's fantastic yeah no it's great thanks adam for uh for coming back on and doing this do you have anything you want to talk about plug or doing shows again or yeah thank you guys very much for having me i love coming on here i love uh talking to both of you we love having Uh, you anytime honestly all right, next time. I'll be here next week. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, it, honestly, we won't, I'm down. We won't even have you talk. We'll just have Yeah, that's good. We'll get him back on for the silent episode. Stress is a mind. <laughs>
We'll have Adam do like, cameos on our podcast. <laughs> I'll come on and I will. Uh, I will talk about. I'll shit talk other podcasts. Yes, yes, uh, a segment. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I, okay. Uh, I have. I've been trying to do some shows. I'm going to be in Akron. I don't know when this is going to air, but people don't care. I'm going to be in Akron in the middle of August, and I'll be traveling a bit. I, here's the thing: go to AdamTellsJokes.com, which is where I post all of. Uh, I got some videos there, and I got my dates. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you enjoyed any portion of what you heard from me tonight. That you go to YouTube and uh, check out the Lifestyle Report with Adam, which is on my ta- on my uh, on my page, Adam Gable. It's a stupid little four-minute video, weekly video thing I've been doing since the uh, the pandemic started, and I just do a bunch of jokes about movies and pop culture that I would love for people to check out. Uh, that is also linked on the videos page of my website, AdamTellsJokes.com. Okay, great. It's called the Lifestyle Report with Adam. Yes, on YouTube. On YouTube? Great. No, yeah. I, I mean honestly, I, I I haven't. I'm gonna check it out tonight. That's great. We'll give you a, a subscribe from our our YouTube when we post this too. So, awesome, dude. Um, we'll get, yeah, I want to check those out. Um, what else should we say, Peter? Do we? Do you have anything? I I, uh, I mean, I started doing shows again, but it's like once every two weeks. But it is. I mean, it's definitely the new normal. Is these outdoor shows so i did a show in the bronx like at an italian restaurant outside last monday and it was great it's like one of those things where it's like we're all you know this this is what we're gonna have to do you know what i mean i think we're, you can be spoiled sometimes like though you want like the perfect environment for doing comedy but i mean the thing is going to be doing podcasts by zoom and then doing outdoor shows so I yeah who would guess that i was gonna say i don't i don't have anything else lined up right now but i definitely gonna be trying to do more and more of those just whatever, see whatever, whatever we can do to keep performing. Yeah, eventually I'll do one of those outdoor shows. I'm just kind of hoping this all ends before I have to start doing that. But yeah, it's been too long. I suck at comedy now, so we'll see. I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Uh, but obviously, we're gonna have more episodes. Uh, we're, we've been putting these out every Tuesday, so I did, we're recording this on a Monday night. I'm gonna try and get this out by tomorrow night, so I'll do my best. But uh, so, Adam, just so you know, this will probably be going up tomorrow night. Uh, yeah. So check out the what was it again on YouTube? It's the Lifestyle Report with Adam I on love YouTube. It. Perfect. And you can also check it out. AdamTellsJokes.com. Beautiful. All right. Uh, have a good uh, have a good week, everybody. And uh, yeah. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.